Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like a Dell. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin podcast, uh, 159, I believe. Uh, first host, Marcello. I'm host number two, D. And Corey is, I don't know what he's doing, but he'll be here later. He'll join up. But we do got a special guest uh, from the Future Tech Podcast, and uh, it's kind of putting together the inaugural super conference. We got uh, Richard with us. How you guys doing? We're doing we pretty are doing damn good. Pretty damn good. Hey, we just finished each other's sentences, D. Like that's it. that's how kindred we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we, I guess, dive into uh, what we're going to talk about this week, um, I should probably talk about some ads, right? That'd be a good idea. Just get it out of the way real quick. Like, speed talk it. Speed talk it. All right. Uh, we are brought to you by Pally. Uh, if you find yourself in Maui talking to Ronda Rousey, Take out your phone and use Pally. How's that? That was D? a good one. That was okay. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Basically, they're at. You oh, what's fell up? Off, Do you have like, some pointers for me? It, well, you half, halfway through it, you didn't full commit. You got to full commit. I got self conscious. <laughs> okay. Continue with the ad. Go. All right. They're, so they're a decentralized social travel ecosystem comprised by. Pally Social, which is really cool. It's it's the mobile app that has this kind of that's been live for about six months, and it's a community marketplace where visitors can immerse themselves in new cities. So it kind of encourages you to go out and visit like these new uh, sites and everything. And it's uh, through this unique experience curated by local hosts. So it's all about community. Uh, we've been running press releases for them to kind of promote like there's no tolerance for abusive, malicious, violent behavior. So we want you to know that it's really, really safe. Um, the pre-sale sold out in 11 minutes, so it's, it's really successful. There's a lot of uh, visibility on the project. Uh, they're preparing for their upcoming crowd sale on October 15th. And uh, you can find more information at uh, pally.co. So we hope to see you there. Yep. All right. We're so what should we talk about? What should we talk about this week? So... I thought I thought something was very fancy, and uh, I'm only using fancy because I haven't had my second cup of coffee yet. There's a better <laughs> word for that. But right, like last night, right before I uh, hit the hay, you know, lay to rest, a long work week, you know, put the pin in it. I see a nice little article headline that says like China may resume trading, but the the, the uh, exchanges will be licensed, and I just like to say. I kind of feel like Nostradamus on that one. I've been feeling like Nostradamus a lot lately. 
don't know. Yeah. What do you, are there any opinions too? about this China stuff, or are you guys over it? Like a thousand percent. Any opinions? Did we lose Richard? No, I'm here. I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. We get, we got you. Yeah. So I think it makes total sense. I think China just wants to uh, exert control. So, yeah, that's what they'd like to do. They like to slap everyone around, make them show them respect, and then uh, they come in and enforce their rules. But they, they want their part of Bitcoin. They want their part of the crypto, uh, you know, the crypto world. So I don't doubt that they'll license stuff how they want it and then let it run again. You think they're going to huh. tax it in some kind of weird way or the license is the tax? Yeah, they just want to make sure they can control it how they want it and then they'll let it run. As long as they can get money from it and extract their uh, their pound of flesh, they'll be happy to, to run it, you know? Give me your pound of flesh. Government sounds so evil when people use that quip. But it is true. Yep. They want the flesh. I feel like they're going to unban it just so they can ban it again. <laughs> Do you think there's Sounds a ban, like unbanned um, calendar that they have? Cause no, I, I just w- think that, that, that's how they instill fear and, uh, and compliance. Is just randomly, you know, if you know someone and they just randomly slap you, you know, you're like, what the? <laughs> I think that that's what they like to do. They like to let things run. You know, see how they go and then take control. And, and I think it's going to happen more times, many more times as things go. I just had a random visual where like a group of five Chinese people are standing in a circle, just having a good time, maybe eating some froyo. And then like a cop walks up to them and slaps one of them in the face and takes their froyo and walks away. And no one knows why. It's exactly. Like, what, what happened? Like, I don't know. I guess I did something. But I don't have my Froyo anymore. Anyways, that's a very long-winded visual of what it must be like to be into crypto and live in China. Um, It can't be easy. But I can't say I didn't see it coming because I did. And I said it on this show (laughs) a few weeks ago. And then we got, I think you got a little political saying that... um, the ban was just all a facade uh, before the party election later this month. So then once the elections is over, then they'll unban. So it's all political. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a shame that BTCC and the other major exchanges that have been in the game since like the Mount Gox days almost had to shut had to shut down shop. I'm pretty sure they're ready to open doors again should China change their mind. But I don't know. In my opinion, and that's how you say opinion in French, um, China really is becoming more and more relevant when it comes to just like the ecosystem in and of itself. I mean, we see what the price did. Bounced right back. Well, not all the way back, but pretty far back. So, yeah, I think people are aware that the government takes liberties away, but they tend not to care in a way that Westerners would expect. And Part of this is that you know they're aware of the fact that the centrally planned and authoritarian nature of their government enables massive economic development, and it's it's a good trade on the whole. I mean, it's part of their culture. Uh, they don't they don't really value individualism so highly. So it's 
in this case, it's it's pragmatic. They just China gives no fucks about the rest of the world because they have no reason to. Not any, none. No. You don't think any fucks? They they give at least one or two. They're like really progressive when it comes to renewable energy, or they only doing that to get like the the global opinion off their back. Well, I mean, even today there isn't really a global economy if you're Chinese. I mean, there's the Chinese economy, and then there's not much reason to think about anything else. That is true. That's why that was crazy. Like annual meetings. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Maul's doing the moonwalk. That was crazy. That was bananas. Stop. We just alienate all our Chinese listeners. They don't. We don't listen to us. They don't speak English. Yeah. Well, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> shouldn't say. Now we have. <laughs> but, but I don't think they listen to us. So. I don't know. Did anything help else happen in Bitcoin this week that you kind of wanted to highlight, Cello? That you were like, oh man. Or really the yeah. only thing that. Go ahead. Uh, Coinbase announcing the direction for the hard fork. I'm sure uh, we all have opinions on that. Didn't they just say that they're not going to support the 2x fork? I mean, when you summarize my point like that, there's nothing else to talk about. Well, there we go. Next topic. Right, next. No, I'm kidding. Next. <laughs> yeah, I got a question. Why? Why are the markets just sleepy for weeks and weeks and weeks? I mean, there's no like real bad news, but. Markets are not really going anywhere right now, even though interest seems to be building and building. That's what I'm wondering. If I could, uh, if I could chime in with my market experience being in this being in this game for five years, um, typically when it gets really quiet like this, and I'm gonna say this with my fingers crossed, so I don't jinx anybody's trades or anything, but typically when it gets quiet like this, there's consolidation going on, and when it's been quiet this long, like three weeks we're going on now, where it's just been kind of slowly moving sideways, um, there's a uptick that comes somewhere, either in Litecoin, Ethereum, or Bitcoin now. There's so many options now, and there's ways to go directly from USD to those pairs. So it's typically like a calm before the storm. But what I do remember from my past looking at these markets so much is that usually when there's like these upticks and it gets to a certain point that it can't break, it's going to drop about a hundred or 200 bucks in the next couple days. So, hmm. you know, I really don't know why it's moving sideways. It could be because there's a lot of uncertainty, but at the same time we're it feels like we're past that through, we're, sorry, we're through that uncertainty. So we could just see an uptick here soon. And typically in late October, Bitcoin usually gets a little boosty boost. I don't know why, but. Huh. Oh, people are saying six grand by the end of the year. That's that's what that's not my speculation. My speculation is $60,000 per Bitcoin. But no, I'm kidding. I would love to see that <laughs> quoted on Reddit, though. Posted the Bitcoin podcast says the price is sixty thousand dollars for no apparent reason. He just said next it. headline lose all credibility. <laughs> the Bitcoin podcast network has no more credibility. <laughs> um, no, I, I think six thousand is very reasonable, especially given. I think there's a lot of people 
that have been in this long enough that have a lot, a lot of money that are still under the impression that you have to go through Bitcoin to get to Ether, right? So we got DevCon coming up, and it's going to get harder and harder for the rumors not to leak. And then we're going to see a bunch of fantastic Steve Jobs-like presentations at DevCon. Uh, price is probably going to go up for Ether, but it's going to go up for Bitcoin too, because a lot of people still think you have to have Bitcoin to get to get Ether. Hmm. So, um, and a lot of it's not even that they think that; it's that they're probably just comfortable with it. Like me, I'm comfortable with it. I'll get Bitcoin and then Ether. I won't go straight from USD to Ether and Coinbase just because. I don't know. I've been doing it one way so long, and I'm a creature of habit. So. Hey, We've got a listener that called into the show. Uh, oh, yeah. He's a long-time listener, first-time caller. Why don't you give us, a, give us your uh, name and location? My name is Terry Michaels. I've been listening for quite a long time. Um, I don't think anything you guys say is true. And Bitcoin is for losers. Okay, okay. Well, that caught us off guard, Terry. It seems like you've taken some time out of your Saturday morning to call in and be a dick about it. But you could have just... Well, well, you know, sometimes you just got to express your opinion, and um, that's that. I mean, I'm right. It's fine. All right. I shouldn't have called you. I shouldn't have called you a dick. I'm sorry. That was a bit abrasive, (laughs) Terry. Um, What's up, guys? What's up, man? (laughs) What's up, Terry Michaels? I don't know where I got that name from. Yeah, me either. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Good, though. What I, I, missed? You, I bet you're thinking that this is a, a circus right now. How we run our show. Um, we alienated the Chinese, and uh, Richard's here from Future Tech. Hey, Richard. Hey, nice to see you. Hey, how you doing? Your microphone is better than ours. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> it and is. he just woke up, so he has that very white wake-up yes. voice that you guys know in the voice. I like to do interviews from bed, you know. (laughs) That's my favorite spot. I like to interview billionaires from bed. That's that's what I like to do. Oh, nonchalance. The the most excited I was for the Image and Heap interview we did is because we did it at four in the morning, and I was going to give her my best Barry White voice, and I was like, that's the foot I want to put forward for Image and Heap is that voice. I'm going to try to hypnotize her, these vocal cords, get on a track or something. But Why did you guys do that one at four in the morning? Was that her schedule? Like, she, she lives so in busy? England, and her schedule oh. takes precedent most definitely over ours. Yeah, you don't go back and forth with her like, oh, that doesn't really work for me. How about that? You know, you just take the first time so you don't lose her. I could yeah, actually the, back then. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, now we're like, you... You you work around our schedule, Imogen. We're bigger than you now. <laughs> you haven't had a hit in a while. You work on our schedule. I think Corey dropped out. No, I'm here. It, the internet's not kind to us today. I'm fine. What are you talking about? I don't know. It just it sounded like he dropped out on my end. Anyways, so uh, to catch you up, Corey, we talked about how China is reneging on uh, their ban, maybe. The rumors are already starting to surface where China's like, we were joking. It's cool after all. And then we talked about how Coinbase, Coinbase, Coinbase. <laughs> Sorry. I just made myself laugh. 
we talked about how Coinbase uh is like kind of c- putting the kibosh on this forking, and they're like that fork, the two X fork, we're not doing it. So live with it. Yeah, any thoughts I, on those? I'm things? curious. Like, I'm like, oh, for, let's let's stick with the Coinbase thing because I'm who's surprised about Coinbase. China? Uh, yeah, Coinbase. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. Like, is 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 it? It's strange that a company in the ecosystem, especially one who represents basically a single continent, the U.S. I'm sorry, country, the U.S. has that much power because they have so much, basically, of the private keys and transactional volume of the entire network. Right, like they're just like we're not going to support this fork, so we have almost single-handedly illegitimized it, or at least dropped its potential use case and transaction volume and and care drastically down, as opposed to just you know being open and saying we'll support whatever happens. But the amount of work that has to go into a compliant company such as Coinbase that has so many transactions and users and overall. Bitcoins of the entire ecosystem can just say, no, we're not supporting that. And basically sit like wipe the floor of a lot of the future use of something like that. I don't think so. Look at the, look at Bitcoin cash. I mean, you know, the big companies, they say, Oh no, we're not going to support it. And then, you know, it came out and then some of them are like, Oh, okay, we'll support it. So, I mean, they're trying to throw their weight around, but Bitcoin is bigger than them. So I think, uh, you know, they may change their tune if, if it goes through. That's definitely true. Do you think that like, you think that they'll change their tune in the same way as as they did for Bitcoin Cash, where they're just like, all right, we'll eventually give you access to those things six months from now, when who knows what it's going to be worth, or like, because there's there's a limit here. There's only so much they can do this. There has to I be think some they're threshold. like China. Yeah, that's what I think. To what? I just I. <laughs> they say no, and then they say yes. No, I think I think Coinbase. Right or wrong, they're trying to align themselves with with government and with the powers that be, so that uh, they're the last ones that get whacked. If if anyone's going to get whacked, so I think they've been like that from the beginning. They're going to keep being like that, and uh, I think that's why they do what they do. I, I think this is a, a a fundamental flaw in a centralized model being built on top of like like being a custodial key holder for people with this technology, because if this technology can fork and if you're a centralized, like basically holding other people's keys, you're then subject to the wills and desires of the people whose keys you hold. And if you don't give them access to these types of forks, then you're basically just stealing their money because you have that money if it, if it maintains, maintains value. And so it would be better. It would, it would, it would behoove any company is just, decentralize themselves and give the access or responsibility back to the people who, and, and make them own their own keys, which makes them responsible for whatever decision they have to make. Yeah. I, I, I want to piggyback off that. And I want to say, what is with companies not having the bravado anymore to push consumers in a direction? Like everybody, I feel like everybody's bowing down to the consumer when sometimes the consumers are so ignorant to the process that happened on the back end. If you know the better option, why not why not push them that way? Like, how come Coinbase a long time ago hasn't said, "Hey, if you're gonna let us be the custodian of your keys, we're gonna do multi-sig, and you're gonna have one of these private sigs too." Here it is. This is a private signature. This is how it works. It's more valuable than gold. Boom. It's your responsibility. We're going a new direction with this banking shit. 
and this is the direction we're going now. Like, how come more companies can't have the bravado to just say, hey, this is the new thing. This is how you use it. This is how it's going to work. It seems like Coinbase is trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole by putting the centralized platform on top of all this decentralization. I think it discourages uh, on-ramping when you do that. So I think people want to get in, but then when you tell them that they can be their own banks, they'll freak out. You're right. It does discourage. But future's for the courageous. I, I, I agree that they should do that. That got deep. But that got so deep. I felt, felt good when I said it. Coin, Coinbase is in the business of, of, of signing up baseball stadiums size audiences every day you know they're they're not really trying to promote people to take the power back they're just trying to i think they're just doing mass adoption and i'm not sure they're doing it in the best way but i think that's their number one goal they're a business there's a market they're a market for, for people who don't understand who want to get into this place right that market will basically always exist until this technology is commonplace yep. and there are, will be a bit, if it's not Coinbase, there's going to be somebody else that caters to that market. And since the market's so large, that business will grow. Like it's, if it's not Coinbase, it's going to be somebody else. There needs to be another Coinbase. Coinbase needs a competitor. We know what happens when people don't have competitors. Who do you think it'll be? I think it's going to be Fidelity. The I don't know. life insurance people? Um, I don't know. No, Fidelity Labs. Yeah. Fidelity, the company. The, you know, they uh, they have like three trillion under management, but they're real innovative with Bitcoin and stuff. I talked to them, and um, they'd be good for you guys to interview. Yeah. Either Abigail Johnson or uh, Hadley Stern. He's like the second in command. He was really good. They talked about how they accepted Bitcoin in their cafeteria for a year, and uh, they were all they're into it. They're mining themselves, and yeah, they're one of the big dogs that's that seems to be friendly with it. They're mining Bitcoin and Ethereum at the same time. I mean, they're poisoning themselves to be an exchange. They're poisoning themselves to be a competitor to Coinbase. A lot of people use Fidelity to do day trading. Hmm. I'm just saying. I've been feeling like Nostradamus lately. There's another oh. nugget. All they How have to do times? is the CEO not to say something stupid, and they'll be all right. But it's just a matter of time before each CEO says something oh, really yeah. stupid. Go ahead, Corey. I want to know how many times you've been wrong. Nobody's tracking that, Corey. I only track when I'm right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I've been told that. (laughs) I've been told it doesn't work that way. But from my seat, always being right is a good feeling. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I've been wrong about a lot of things. I was wrong about, um, if you listen back, oh, man, I'm about to put myself on front street. I listened back the other day. I actually, in one episode only, was a very loud supporter of, hold on, let me look over my shoulders, Bitcoin, uh, not XT, but Bitcoin uh, Unlimited? Not Bitcoin Unlimited. Uh, I think it was Bitcoin XT. In fact, I know it's Bitcoin XT because it's in my subreddit tabs, and I really like the name. And that's why I do things. You liked Bitcoin ND. For a while, I think it was ND. It was Emin Goon Sarir's flavor. Cause that's yeah, cause that's Emin Goon, and he's Bitcoin Batman. There's really nothing that you know. Even though times have changed, he's not so much Bitcoin back Batman anymore. But at the time, Bitcoin ND had some great features. 
Um, yeah. So I was wrong about that one, Corey, but that's like 99.97% right. So You were also wrong about Brooke Burke being on the cover of Playboy. No, I was 100% right about that, and you still owe me money. So we're not even going to go there. In fact, Richard, I'm going to put think? the... Go ahead. I was, I was curious. What, is, what, is, what does Richard think about the future of this space? Where do you think it's going? Well, I think that uh, the companies that get real big turn abusive. You know, Google used to be real nice. Now they're not. Microsoft, same way. And I think uh, companies like Coinbase are going to go the same way. But there's, there's a book that you guys should all read called uh, How Money Got Free by Brian Patrick Eha, E-H-A. And he talks about the backstory of a lot of the big players in the industry. And uh, for instance, Coinbase was with two partners. And one of them essentially screwed the other one and took the uh, the keys to the castle and said, "I'm taking it my way." And so Coinbase has on this been been on this path ever since. But I mean, just like, like a, for instance, I just see them getting bigger and bigger and more powerful and more abusive, and that's where they're going. And I don't think they're anyone's friend in the industry. They may help mass adoption just because they're they allow people to get into it so easily, but they're not your friend and not my friend. And they're from the other side of the aisle, the big corporate side, and that's where that's going. That's that's my opinion. I don't expect any help or, or love from them, except incidentally, as long as they can make money. Yeah. I got Jedi mind, tri- mind tricked by somebody who is in the Ethereum, uh, uh, sorry, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I was talking to him, and I was like, hey, man, like, Ethereum is really cool. It's public blockchain really advanced amazing um but like this whole private blockchain thing just makes it feel like there's gonna be ultra middlemen like it we're only perpetuating the system that exists today there's gonna be this closed network of banks and then they're gonna hold all this wealth and share in this proof sorry stake in this proof of stake system and it's gonna be a wrap and then he was like you shouldn't like i felt like i got jedi hand waved he was like you shouldn't think of corporations as an entity, but as a person. And it has feelings. And I was like, what is happening? And he was like, <laughs> he's like, we just want to participate in the greater good too. And I was like, is that true? I, th- I think I'm for it. I'm for it now. And that's, I think, <laughs> and I think that kind of piggybacks on what you said, Richard, like these businesses, they have the money to throw their weight around and then they get so big and then they kind of flip the script on everyone by saying, Hey, we're just trying to participate just like you guys. And we're going to do it in a way that uh, benefits us the most, just like you guys are. So screw you at the end of the day. And that's kind of like, I feel like how the story goes. I don't know. Like there's this, there's this, like the technology that we're talking about is, is it, it, I guess helps enable or incentivize the idea of like, I guess the term that's been coining up the coopetition and it's more transparent than previous types Uh of businesses that were like this in the past. And so we're seeing it more clearly. This stuff has always happened. We're just seeing it now. And the fact that like money or blockchain money, Bitcoin, Ethereum, things like that are so much more liquid and the power is more in the users that, if it becomes clear that someone's doing something, it's so much easier to just take your money somewhere else. And like, whereas before you didn't have much of a choice, you just had to kind of go with the whim of the things that were happening. And 
and say, well, well, this is where this is where I bank and there's nowhere else to bank. Or it was except the hurdles of of moving your money to a different place was so difficult or you literally couldn't do it. As time goes on and these things like start to get bigger, I think that it's just a better ecosystem because you could move where you want to go. And it's so much more clear on what's happening at a root level. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's me being ideal. But I feel like that's the kind of the, the reason we're doing this is the transparency and liquidity of like how we can control our own money. I mm. think you're being ideal. I think it makes a lot of sense. I hope it goes that way. This is this would be me in a perfect world for D. I go to the bank because people still do that. And I'm like, hey, um, I noticed that you're making crazy amounts of money with my money. I have a private key to that, so I'd like for you to stop doing that. And they say, okay, no problem. Like, that's that's what I would love to have happen in a perfect world. But in the fiat system, it's not designed that way. It's designed like, hey, we're going to take all your money. We're going to give you these IOU uh, digits, and we're actually going to go loan the shit out and make a boatload of money off of it. And you don't have any say in the matter because once you and once you deposited it here, it wasn't yours anymore, and you know that deep down. So I don't know. Well, here, here's something I just thought of as interesting, kind of scary, but you know, Coinbase is the on ramp for most people, right? That don't know and don't really care. They hold yeah. your private keys. That's fine. Well, what about if this keeps going and a mass number of people can participate in Bitcoin? But they're happy to let their whatever institution they're with hold the private keys. So now Bitcoin becomes essentially for them just like fiat. It's not really controlled by them, even though they feel like it is. And a large percentage of Bitcoin is, you know, is held at at these large institutions and the private keys are held there. So it just turns into another version of fiat. So you got like a sanitized Bitcoin that people can feel good about participating in, but they don't truly control. And if you that's, think about that, it, that's what Coinbase is doing. It's it's creating like a a big pool of Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin that that is like that. It's fiat esque. They're they're an on ramp, right? They're they're necessary evil for getting people into the space, kind of like what AOL was for the internet. Like, but AOL didn't become the internet. The internet outgrew it, which I think is the same type of idea for the technology that we're talking about. Like, people need to get into the space, and for a long time, people are going to think that Coinbase is Bitcoin. Or Coinbase is cryptocurrency, but eventually, as the technology grows, it'll out it'll outgrow the thing that people use it like the, the most people use it, and it'll become easier to use something else in the correct manner to use it. So that like the other thing will just become obsolete if they don't adapt properly. Like we, now we have the option to use Bitcoin correctly or use Coinbase as a custodian. Whereas beforehand we didn't, and so I I feel like it's a like that is what they're doing, but they can't. I don't think they're capable of taking over the whole thing, like you're saying, is becoming a new fiat because they're going to end up being much more like an AOL, where the technology will outpace them if they don't adapt to the correct usage of using it. Well, it could happen. Imagine if uh, you know there's securities regulation that comes down and whacks most of the coins. And then you have Goldman and Bank of America and all these big companies that step in and say, all right, we're going to have exchanges, but we're going to only have exchanges for our tokens that we consider to be licensed or, you know, that are securities and tradable. 
and the rest of them, sorry. And they become the big players and the exchanges and the other ones, you know, essentially can't trade because of law. I mean, the power could shift to these large established institutions once they feel like it. I'm Just certainly not going to say that that can't happen. That's for sure. Yeah. That's funny because like my, my mom thought that like AOL was the Internet. She didn't know what the Internet was. So I wonder if old people will think Coinbase is cryptocurrency if they think exchanges are Bitcoin. Good luck, old people. Good luck. I wonder what's <laughs> going to be crazy new when we're old. Like, I just always wonder that thought. Like, I'm going to be yapping and complaining about something. What's it going to be? Right now, it's mumble rap. But You love mumble rap. I don't love mumble Ugh. rap. How dare you? Ugh. How dare you, you recommend a little Yachty song once a week in the Slack. I do not. You are talking fallacies. <laughs> You're talking 100% falsehoods. Objection. Fallacy. Is that yeah. even an objection? That anyway, is, that is false. He likes mumble rap. Let's get to our interview. How dare the both of you? <laughs> you guys are lying. Anyways, Cello, introduce our guest, please. Captain Liar Face. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, Ian Bellina. He's a uh, he's a cryptocurrency investor and uh, serial entrepreneur. I like this guy because like he shares his money making hacks with the world for free, not gimmick free. Like here's some advice by my book. I'm talking free. So uh, go to his Twitter. He shares his portfolio with you daily. Uh, let's get rich. Find out what to invest in. All the things Corey's afraid to talk about. All the things Demetric hates to talk about. We talk about it. Yachts.com. Helipads on your roof.org. <laughs> Champagne for breakfast.net. Ian Bellino. Let's get to it. Champagne for breakfast.net. I love it. Somebody please go get that. All right. Um, here it is. All right. So uh, today on the show, we got we got Superman, the made man, <laughs> or uh, simply you could just say his name is Ian. He's the uh, author of the Complete Freelancer Guide, and um, we're, we're hacking the system and crushing the nine to five, my brother. We're doing it. Yes, we are. Yeah, uh, cryptocurrency influencer and investor. He's been featured in Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, all the big publications. He's doing it, and now he's here on the Bitcoin podcast. And you know what? Last but not least, you're a man who rocks pocket squares, which I commend D every time he dresses <laughs> up because not enough guys yeah. rock the pocket square. It's a hard thing. That back in style. <laughs> <laughs> I picture you listening uh, to Jadina. A lot Classic of man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, guys. Well, yeah, tell, uh, us, tell us a bit about your how crypto kind of fits into your life as a as a as a hustler because you're you're kind of able to see things that other people can't see, like like how to make millions with ICOs, etc. So, like, how did how did like the first time you had that aha moment where you're like, wait, crypto is like something worth investing my time in? Right. Yeah. So. I got into cryptos last year, a buddy of mine. So by day, I was working at, at IBM. I'm actually quitting IBM this month to go full-time on cryptos. And a buddy of mine was like, hey, can you get me the contact info for the director of blockchain at, at IBM? And I'm like, why do you care? Right. So I was kind of just like blowing him off. I'm like, this guy's a big deal. Like, I'm not, I won't just hand you his contact info. Right. So he was bugging me for about a month or so. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here, go. Have at it. 
but then I was like, why do you care so much about this blockchain stuff? So you told me you had a blockchain development company, and you also told me he was launching a Bitcoin crypt- cryptocurrency hedge fund. That's when my head kind of started spinning. I'm like, what? A hedge fund for Bitcoin? Right? So for me, I kind of come from the traditional sense of investing, right? Uh, trading uh, and all that stuff. And also, as a kid, I had dreams of being a hedge fund manager. Right? So it was pretty interesting seeing that somebody was doing a hedge fund around Bitcoin. And I'm like, wait a minute, how much money are you making? So he was, he was, he was basically up front with me and told me he was making 200% ROI last year. And I'm like, in the hedge fund world, 20% is amazing. So 200% is like 10x. So once he told me that, I was all in, right? So I, I went online, checked out this Bitcoin stuff, right? S- signed up on Coinbase. I was still treating it, this whole thing as an experiment, right? So I just bought some Bitcoin, bought 100 bucks of Bitcoin, 100 bucks worth of uh, Ethereum. Had no idea what uh, Ethereum was at that point. It was at eight bucks, right? So this was always the test. Then as kind of began to progress next month, I made 25% on, on my money. I'm like, okay, this Bitcoin stuff is kind of legit. Then the next month, Ethereum doubled. Then uh, in like in like February, Ethereum went, went from like 10 to 20 to 40 bucks. So around April is when I became a, a true believer of cryptos. I'm like, you know what? If Ethereum can go from like 10 to 40 this fast, this is life-changing. right? So that's when I went all in, began attending all the different events, went to Token Summit, which was the first conference focused purely on ICOs and token sales. And that's where that I truly got inspired by meeting other people who made their millions in, on ICOs, from Ethereum ICO to Mainstream ICO, just being able to have drinks with them for an hour and just pick their brain, just truly opened the door for me. That's when I kind of flipped and went from really buying and holding or trading to just purely focusing on ICOs as a, as a main strategy for me. Oh, that's interesting. I, I left my job at IBM this year too to kind of focus. Oh, on nice, nice. Space. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's kind of like you know you you can't ignore the space any longer when you start doubling your money. You know, it's hard to ignore. Right, right, <laughs> how, absolutely. How much time do do the hesitators have before they kind of miss this boat? You think? You know, in terms of like crypto's timeline, are we well, really just timeline? Uh, I still think that there's time. I mean, uh, I would say I'd give it a couple years. So we're still early adopters. We got time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're still early. I think we don't really have that killer app yet besides for besides uh, payments for Bitcoin, right? But that's still that's not mainstream yet because your average person is not going to be using hexadecimal to send money, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Ethereum's only killer app right now is just basically ICOs, right? Yeah. So right now we're still lacking that killer application and i think once we get that that's when it's truly mainstream and that's where people who have been in this game early will truly make a ton of money uh, d how, how long have we been talking yeah how long have we been talking about the killer app it's like what 2015 2012 sir yeah <laughs> no 2013 actually we've been talking about the killer app you never know uh-huh. what the killer app's going to be i i for one think bitcoin is its own killer app but that's just because i'm biased so, right. Any thoughts? What you guys think it will be besides Bitcoin? Uh, there was some really good ideas floating out there. We interviewed this company, um, maybe it was in our top fifty, where they had created this platform where you could pay programmers and basically put bounty programs, these international bounty programs on on coding. I believe they're 
catchphrase was like, we're going to industrialize uh, programming, um, which seemed uh-huh. like it was going to be a great idea, especially because if you know you have programmers all over the world, paying them can be a hassle because you know you have to pay them and whatever their currency is, and you got to make sure you have whatever licenses or whatever you need there to pay them in their local currency. But if you're paying them Bitcoin, it doesn't really matter. So I thought that was going to be a big deal, but that seems like it's faded. Um, right, interesting. So once upon a time, I thought the adoption of the Lightning Network was going to be the killer app, but well, the Lightning Network's not done yet. That's what I'm saying. So right, I don't right. know. Mine actually, that... right now at this point in time. Sorry, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah. So right now, I think if I if I had to choose one. I would say Metal Pay right now seems like it could be the killer app in the sense that it's basically doing what Bitcoin is trying to do, but really at a mainstream point of view, right? So they're basically trying to become the digital currency for mainstream people to use cryptos, right? Which is pretty interesting, right? So I think that's why their ICO has done pretty has done pretty well this year. Right? I think it's up at one point over 80x in like four months, right? So I th- disclosure: I don't own any Metal Pay. Although I should, right? My strategy right now is to focus purely on, on early ICOs. But uh, if I had it to basically have a long-term point of view portfolio, I would have some metal in my in my portfolio because I think right now they could be basically the, the the PayPal of this space where anybody can basically just use cryptos without really having to know what what they are. Do you yeah, think... they're FDIC insured too. I read. Right. Yes. Yes. They are. Do you think there's going to be this, like, because to me, it's starting to feel like a lot of hype around these ICOs. And I think there's going to be, like, a great reckoning or an awakening. And a lot of these companies that don't have a viable product or they don't have a viable team, they're going to they're gonna get washed out pretty fast. Are you worried that that, which I feel like is writing on the wall? Because we right. get some ridiculous. Ridiculous emails about these ICOs, and I'm just like, okay, well, that's garbage. And do you think there's going to be blowback when or if this happens on the tokens that actually do have function and actually could present a good value? Um, not really. I think I think I think it's definitely going to happen, but I think it's probably going to happen a lot slower. And I think the audience for ICOs, the ICO investors and participants are becoming better educated. I can definitely see that with my own audience in the last month, month or two. People are now constantly asking, hey, does this ICO have a product, right? So people, people are moving away from being part of white paper ICOs, where it's just purely an, an idea. And now they're actually starting to ask smarter questions. Because right, I come from the traditional entrepreneur world where you have to go pitch to angel investors, venture capitalists, VCs, and all that stuff. And even that space as well is very inundated. Right? So I think this space, the ICO space specifically, will become similar to the entrepreneur raising funds with venture capital, angel investor route, where there'll be a ton of people, everybody who wants to build the next Facebook, the next Uber, but not everybody will get money. And people will start asking the hard questions that most VCs start to ask. I think that's where the path is is going towards. So the investment. Go ahead, Chell. Well, I was just uh, thinking the old school way is still kind of promoted on television uh, via Shark Tank. You think we'll we'll hear the words 
Bitcoin and blockchain mentioned on uh, on right, that Shark Tank season? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe, but I, I don't, I don't think I think Shark Tank is super, super mainstream, right? I mean, for me, I, I, I love the show. I think I think it's definitely uh, inspires people to basically go out there and start their own business, right? But I think if you're a true entrepreneur. You you aren't even watching Shark Tank. You just you're out there grinding on your idea, trying to execute on it. Well yeah, said. I think it's hyper mainstream. I can kind of see like plot lines in the shows now, so I kind of stopped watching it. Like they put one <laughs> super garbage project on there, and then they put really great ones. Like a guy coming. I call this Cheggs. It's a chair with legs, and they're like, "What? <laughs> we we already have that, but it's." One, I do agree with your statement that we're still pretty far ahead of the curve. I even think we're further ahead than a couple years. I think it's going to take a good three to five years before this mass Uh adoption, I say that with quotes, mass adoption takes place. Um, Just because it's a huge learning curve. And people aren't willing to take that dive. They're not willing to to learn this stuff. that's what right, I yeah. firsthand. You have to have that that reason that just kind of motivates you to dive all the way in, right? Because mm-hmm. with me, once once that once you have that uh, coming to crypto moment, right? <laughs> that once that flip is switched, thing the whole it's kind of like going in, in the matrix, right? You, you can't go back. There's right? no going it, back. Yeah, yeah, it came to a point where I was doing cryptos 24/7, not even doing my <laughs> job, right? So after my, after a few months of this, I'm like, you know what? I should just leave. <laughs> Yeah, we can't be the only two IBMers that were like, you know what, we saw the light. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure a ton of them. You're getting some gains. What are uh, what are some tokens you like? Because I'm sure somebody's listening. See, Corey and I, we shy away from giving advice or even saying things yeah. that we invest in because we don't want the blowback and we don't want to lose anybody money. But right. apparently, I mean. From what I hear, you're cool with saying, "Hey, these tokens I like. These tokens uh, I would dabble in." So, what are your like your top three or top, yeah, top three? Uh, all right. So, I'll, I'll kind of since I do lots of ICO tokens, almost my entire portfolio right now is ICO tokens. I'll kind of cover tokens I have right now in my portfolio that I like, and then tokens that aren't yet in my portfolio that I like as well. I know what to kind of disclose. I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Oh, we got this is just me there. sharing. This is me sharing my own opinion. All right. So, what I like right now, zero X. I'm very bullish on zero X, a long term. Right. Zero X protocol. The project is a decentralized exchange, and they're actually Ethfinex, which is the company that owns Bitfinex, is launching the, a separate exchange for ERC20 tokens. Right. And that's going to be built using zero X protocol. So I think once that uh, exchange launches, ZeroX is basically going to the moon, in my opinion. So that's one I really, really like. Is that a my uh, Ether wallet like competitor, or will be a competitor? Uh, uh, no. So it's kind of like uh, it lets other exchanges basically do what are called, I believe, atomic swaps of other tokens, right? So it basically executes trades off the, off the Ethereum blockchain. Right, so let's say you have some other ERC20 token, and I have another ERC20 token, right? As opposed to going to Ether Delta or Bit- Bitrex or Poloniex, we can just simply trade peer to peer with this, with with, yeah. with right. So other developers can build on top of it and build other exchanges using this platform, right? So it's basically a platform to build a de- decentralized peer to peer 
cryptocurrency exchange. So think of it kind of like shapeshift in a way, I guess. Right, peer to peer shapeshift. Right, but you can build any almost any any kind of application on there. There's a an, an exchange coming up called Radar Relay that's being built on Zero X protocol. Right, where it's basically, let's basically let's you exchange cryptos from your wallet. Right, kind of like from you with other people. Yeah, that's have, gonna be a game changer. Yeah, so I think that's that's a pretty big. That makes situations like what's going on in China moot because right, like, exactly, we're shutting exactly. down the exchanges. It's like, well, the whole internet's in exchange, so good luck with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm very bullish on that one. Um, another one I just recently added is Chainlink. Chainlink, I think, is going to be a game changer technology-wise, right? Um, I was very bullish on it last month. This month, I've gotten less bullish on it, but overall, overall I'm still bullish on, on, on the technology. And they're basically creating... They take smart contracts and connect them to the outside world via oracles, right? So imagine being able to get other APIs from payment gateway APIs like PayPal to stock market data. So basically any other kind of API data, right? Could be Amazon, could be Facebook, whatever, and connect that to a smart contract, right? So they're basically acting like the middleware or the glue between the crypto world and the and everything outside of cryptos, outside of blockchain, right? So being able to get data feeds and plug them into smart contracts is pretty huge. So that one came out this week, and it's already one or two x above ICO price. Hmm. And they've already they've already been featured in Gartner, which is pretty big for an IT company, especially for a blockchain company that has that just launched recently. And they have a proof of concept they've done with Swift Banking, the banking network, which is the same network Ripple is trying to replace. So that that one's pretty good in my in my book. Now moving on to ICO tokens that either just wrapped up or haven't yet occurred. One I'm very bullish on is Icon. Um, so they've been kind of labeled the the Korean Ethereum or the Korean Neo, and they're basically building a the building blockchain 3.0, right? Called an interoperability, basically the internet internet of blockchains, right? So right now we have all these different blockchain systems. We have Bitcoin, we have Ethereum, you have you have uh, Neo, right? How do you get all these different blockchains to talk to each other, right? So now we have all these other projects out there, right? So Icon is similar to Polkadot, to Cosmos, to Aeon, right? So they're basically trying to get multiple blockchains that are totally different to talk to each other and have basically interoperability is the term, right? Mm-hmm. But Icon is super, super undervalued. Right, they already have 25 partnerships with, like, with uh, universities in Korea and in, uh, in a Korea, with uh, Samsung Medical Hospital, um, with businesses, right, with big businesses, right. So it's not just an idea, right. While other ICO, other 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 projects out there like Aeon and Polkadot are still white papers, really, right. They already have a prototype. Their mainnet is launching in November. That's a that's a target date, and they only raised 40 million dollars for the ICO. While on the other hand, Aeon, which is looking to do something similar, is trying to raise $200 million for the ICO. Their pre-sale starts in October. And Polkadot, since they're backed by Gavin Wood, apparently, right, with the parody, they're still a white paper, but they're trying to raise a billion dollars for theirs. right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of value, right, they already have a product. They're already much further ahead of the development cycle than any of the other projects. And they're raising the least, least amount of money. right? So I'm very, very bullish on this one, on, on Icon. 
And then uh, the second one I would add is OneChain. OneChain is, I, I like to call them basically the, basically the Chinese Ripple, right? They're basically trying to build a, a distributed kind of like an inter-banking or payment platform, right? So basically what Ripple was trying to do with banks where they can let other banks talk to each other. They're trying to build the same thing with a financial platform, but more open, right? Ripple is known for being closed, right? So OneChain is doing the same thing. And the good thing about them is, this is being done by the CTO of uh, Factum, and Factum has been mm. a pretty good, pretty good ICO, right? Yeah. So, if you're part of the, yeah, so it's a very solid team, all-star team, as I as I'm known for saying, right? So, Factum, if you're part of the Factum ICO, you should, but you should by now have over 250x return on your money, maybe slightly lower than that with the whole pullback, but. Yeah, pretty much if you put in one grand in Factum, I believe two years back, it's almost a quarter of a million dollars, right? So that team has already executed and did, and built something great already, right? So now that same tech team is looking to build something even bigger, right? So imagine, because right now, they're only raising about, with the price of Ether going up and down, between 25 to $40 million for their ICO, right? But So, so that's, that, that's their initial cap. Right, but if you see where they could possibly go, right? Because if let's say they they become the next Ripple, Ripple has between six to eighteen billion dollars in market cap, right? So if they can even get a quarter of that, let's say they get two billion or whatever, right? That's over sixty-six x return on your money, if my math is right, right? So I'm very very bullish on one chain long term, and that's spelled with a W A N C H. A-I-N, not confused with, with some other knockoff or some other, that's kind of a scam, uh, spelled uh, O-N-E. So not the number one, but one like in, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, Wonderland, I don't know, <laughs> the A. But yeah, one, so those, yeah. yeah, one, the, like the Chinese one, I guess. So that's, that's one I'm bullish on as well. Hmm. I, I know you did a, a review of Coben uh, Hood the other day, but like, what's up with these celebrity endorsements, man? You think it's it's gonna, <laughs> you think it's hurting the the images? The you know, it, it's kind of turning everything into a circus. Uh, actually, I I like them. I mean, I I guess for the right now, as people who are currently involved in this space, it's not good. But I think in terms of bringing mainstream eyeballs to the space, it's good, right? So people who normally wouldn't even give cryptos the time of day might think twice when they see. Um, Jamie Foxx or Floyd Mayweather or even Paris Hilton talk about this, right? I think it's it's kind of a it's a phase we have to go through. Right? Yeah, I but I mean, what, is, what does Jamie Foxx care about zero fee trading for? I mean, it's kind of not, comical, not, you know? Right, yeah, nothing, <laughs> right? But I'm pretty sure out of those millions of people he has on Twitter, right, somebody's going to see that and go to Coinbase and sign up for something, right? That's and true, it, that's, that's true. somebody who's basically entered that crypto funnel so to speak it's basically a numbers game each time there's like hype every hype cycle like i think i've said this on the show a lot too is like every hype cycle you're gonna get people that are in it just like throwing money and hoping that they make a profit but you're also gonna get a small percentage of people that become so absorbed with it they actually then become a part of the ecosystem and kind of add to the greater conversations so right right i think that like yeah, there's going to be some people that see Jamie Foxx and they're like, what? Jamie Foxx doing ICO? That's crazy. 
and then they and then there's going to be within that group of people a lot of people just throw money at whatever Jamie Foxx is throwing money at but there's going to be a small group of people in there that you know so like okay so what is this crypto stuff about let me figure it out and i think the more that keeps happening the faster we get to adoption so right yeah so to kind of pull a, pull a marketing term right in marketing it's known that people don't really start to see you until they see either your ad or just just know about you I think like six time. I think it's like the, after the sixth time, sixth occurrence, right? So let's say maybe it's a particular brand of shoes, or maybe it's even a book, right? You, you probably aren't, aren't going to check that book out until you see until you have six touches with that book, right? Where whether it's online, offline, somebody talking about it. Then after some time, after the, the sixth or seventh time, you, you say, you know what? Let me check this book out. Right? So I think it's the same thing with cryptos, right? People probably hear about Bitcoin or cryptos for a while. But it's probably not for the sixth or seventh time until they actually truly take the effort to check it out. That's that's very true. And Bitcoin's on its fifth hype cycle now, so maybe the sixth one is the one where we go to the moon and then get real estate on Mars. <laughs> yeah, my strategy. My strategy is a little different. So I go with the everything is kind of denominated in Bitcoin strategy, and that's kind of how I built out my portfolio. So I had this initial amount that I had invested in Bitcoin and I'd taken the profits from that and diversified it into um, these different tokens, tokens that I that I think are, are going to be great long term. And I think mm-hmm. that since those tokens are denominated in Bitcoin, if Bitcoin keeps going through the moon, then naturally my portfolio grows. What is it? A rising wave lifts all, rising all tides. Lift all boats, alt, rising tides lift all boats so that's kind of like my strategy there i don't know yeah i think uh in a way, in a way my that's kind of my strategy as well if that makes sense uh although i'm doing all these tokens or icos right at the, at the end of the day i have to convert either to ethereum or to ether or to bitcoin right so i'm still kind of riding those those waves or those tides yeah right it's uh Oops. go ahead chill Let's talk about that. What, what is the smart way to invest? Should I do dollar cost averaging? Should I throw a hundred bucks here or there, or should I do my due diligence and then just throw in five grand? Um, I think it all depends on what your goals are, what your time frame is, um, how big your portfolio is. What I recommend is to kind of basically follow the VC model, right? So pick if you have ten grand, put one grand into ten different projects. Right, and then just and then as one kind of starts to take off, right? Either so actually for ICOs, my strategy right now is to, yeah, let's say you're investing one grand into ten different projects, right? You put that one grand into one project. Once it does a two x or higher, I take out my 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 uh, initial investment. So that way, I'm just purely playing with house money, I, and I and I keep the profits in there all the way till the end, right? So then I take that one grand and I basically flip that to a new ICO, right? Then as the other ICO is, is still mooning, right? I would slowly take out some profits, right? Because sometimes they moon and they go back down to earth and that's it, right? So just to kind of be safe, right? So my strategy is to quickly take out your initial investment so you're always playing with house money and you're always profitable. Oh, that will consume your life. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I quit my job. That's 
He's like, I can't yeah. work and pretty... make all this money at the same time. I guess I'm just gonna have to make all this money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty actively involved strategy, right? I mean, sure, if you want to just uh, buy and hold, right, you can just do that as well. That one, you definitely have to make sure that uh, whatever you're doing is something you believe is gonna still be around yeah. five years, five years from now. The buy and hold strategy, or as I like to call it, the bold strategy. Uh, bold. Okay, has, that's nice. That's nice. Has paid off the most, but that's that's a lot of like people underestimate holding, but they don't realize how much fortitude it takes to hold. Like when I look at my main portfolio and I see how much money it loses in a day, sometimes it takes a right. lot of guts to not okay, let me get out of this. This is too risky, and I just wonder how many people in the last five years since I've been into crypto are just couldn't handle it and they sold at a loss and now they're like debating jumping off a bridge. I don't know. It just, it takes a lot of fortitude to hold. So right, right, yeah. hold the bold strategy, uh, I support you if you do do that and you're listening to today's yeah. show. That's why, so, I like the, that's why I like Ian so much is because he has this transparency where he has this end of the day portfolio snapshot and I think he was at 222,000 and then the China stuff kicked in and he went to like 170 and I was like, oh, right. lost 50 grand in a day, but he's he's holding there. He's, he's steady. Right, right. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, touch, on, touch on that point, right? So doing the whole Bitcoin fork stuff, right? My portfolio went to 150, then it tanked all the way to 50 and I, I didn't sell anything, right? Yeah. And it was all the way to 300. Right. So I think once if you truly understand the, the projects and you believe in them, right, then holding is not that big of a deal. Right? And for me, I mean, sure, I can start trading them where you sell at the top, then you try to buy the back at the bottom. But that's extra, extra work. Right. That's, it takes too much. Right. Because in, in since you now become a day trader, right? you're constantly checking the price, trying to find out when's the best time to get back in. Right. So with me, I just buy and hold. Yeah. Why are you so transparent? What What are the benefits? Are people Are you trying to get I mean, people's trust or what? Yeah, I mean, so for me, it just kind of became as a journal, right? As a daily journal of the ups and downs of crypto, right? Because I feel like that in itself is better is a better way to get people to truly trust. become part of this ecosystem yeah. than just telling them about it, right? Because for example, some friends didn't really get in until they saw my my, my daily portfolio snapshots for three months, right? So once they get in. They know, okay, yeah, sure, you can make money, but you, they also know that it's pretty, it's pretty up and down, right? It goes up and down a lot, but I think it just builds more transparency, more trust, as you guys were mentioning, right? And it just kind of shows that this is still a good investment, despite the, despite all the ups and downs. Definitely, I think that transparency. I think you can never have too much transparency. Oh, maybe there's some situation. Unless you're Ken Bozak. Yeah, then you might want to reel it in a little bit. Reel it back. <laughs> reel it back. Um, hey, D, do you have any uh, like trader questions for him? Since I'm I'm a trader noob, but uh, well, I know you, I I know you mean, trade. Mainly, it. it sounds like you and I, Ian, have a lot of the same strategies when it comes to um, these coins and these tokens. Um, mm -hmm. And that's believe, like, you look at the same things I do. Look at the team. Look at the tech. Right. Um, gets I get second and third opinions, like just because we've been doing the show so long, we've been afforded with having a network of like, hey, you know, I heard about this project. What do you know about the team? What do you know about the history there? And and just kind of, I I don't put money where I don't feel like there's a strong enough 
product or a strong enough team to get behind. And yeah, that's that. And I take my profits from one token and, and, and just pour it into another. So that's right. Right. I mean, it's not like you said, it's like playing with the house's money. You take that profit once you have it and then you get to diversify even more and hopefully, you know, get more profit. So, yeah. So I do have a strategy I kind of follow when it comes to trading. This is more swing trading, right? Which I don't do as often. I haven't done a swing trade in almost a month or so, I think. But usually I just buy breakouts. I buy basically ascending triangle breakouts if you want to get kind of technical with it. Mm-hmm. Right, so I just kind of wait for that that big momentum push, and either it's usually based on, yeah, usually just based on the technical te- technical fundamentals. I check for three confirmations, first one being that the ascending triangle. I found those to be the easiest to make money on. I'm mean, sure there are all these other patterns, right? But I think I just kind of uh, to basically use a gaming term. I just like to cheese, right? So I think the ascending triangle breakout is is basically cheese, right? You can you can just basically milk that to death. Mm-hmm. So that then I I also do check for confirmation. I check from some other kind of uh, either news coming out or whatever, right? Some other kind of bullish indicator. Then I also check on Twitter. Twitter is is, is wonderful for getting other opinions as well, right? So just simply put in the the crypto's si- acronym in, in Twitter, right? So dollar sign MTL for for metal pay for example right and you'll see other traders opinions on that right so then i just look to see okay does anybody else who is using technical analysis have the same point of view as i do right so if that's the case right then i basically go in on, on a swing trade right one thing to just to make known is uh make sure it's technical analysis they're using for their opinion right not just somebody saying oh this crypto is going all the way on the moon, right? So I use those three things to kind of decide when to get into a swing trade. That's sound advice. I hope you guys that are listening today are taking all these bits of advice. Oh, actually, and also, I'll also add on, right? So how to find what cryptos to trade, right? So the way I normally do it is just go on CoinMarketCap and just sort by daily volume. And we'll show you the most actively traded cryptos for that day. Now, usually you'll see some crypto that's not normally there, there, right? So, for example, uh, I noticed a month ago, a month ago was in there, right? I'm like, okay, why is this, right? And that was when they had the whole plasma announcement and all, all that stuff, right? So there was news that day, right? So maybe just go through the top 10 and just kind of go through that list. And I find cryptos that still have room to grow, right? Usually lower in market cap. Right, and also yeah, go through and, and find the ones that have the highest percentage gains that day, right? Those are and and you usually have enough trading volume, right? Usually over a million per day is, is pretty good. So I, I used those two methods to basically find what cryptos to 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 chart, right? Then I go through and I chart all of them and see which ones have the the ascending triangle breakouts, and which ones have other technical indicators right showing this is bullish right so for example i like to use moving averages right so maybe i'm using a three-day moving average and a weekly moving average right so i like to make sure that it's still in a bullish uptrend then i also like to check twitter to see other traders point of view to confirm right so if you do those things you should be making money 
You heard it here. <clears throat> you heard it here. You heard it first. So for all you guys listening, and then for anybody, if, you're, if you've contacted me and asked me for any sort of trading advice, just listen to this right here. It's, it's, this has got you good. Especially like the tip you gave on the market cap thing. That's a quick way to know like, okay, this is a really good project and this market cap is stupid low. I'm definitely going to right. get some of these. I mean, it's, it's a good decision. Well, we have one last question for you. It's our listeners' favorite question and probably the toughest question you're going to get in a long time. And it is, in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? Like in 10 words or less, how to describe blockchain? Blockchain is... A network without a middleman. Simple as oh, that's that. Pretty solid. That's pretty <laughs> Network without a middle. That's six words. You're well under. I like a it. lot of it's people like know it. that hard. So good job. <laughs> There's not a lot of people that can get it <laughs> on the spot. Done. Yeah. There was like, um, let me give you my dissertation. Does that count as ten <laughs> words? And they're like, no, nope, yeah. it does not. It does not count. That's- so let people know where uh, where they can find you. I know you. I mean, you got Telegrams, Instagrams, Twitters, yeah, so, books. Yeah, the best way is actually on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/hackingthesystem. I do weekly live streams covering ICOs and even just regular crypto news, right? And they're they usually go two to three hours long. They're interactive, right? I take feedback. I go back and forth with my with my audience on different topics, right? One is the AMA where they ask me to come and ask me anything for basically two hours or more, and the other is just purely just them coming with their ICOs and me just going through doing the research live and giving my honest opinion on, on them. So that's one one way to find me. I'm also available on Twitter. That's Twitter.com/slash or at Diary of a Made Man. Um, that's kind of where everything came. Everything was just me. Doing a diary, right? The whole block flow was a diary. And then also on my site, ianbalina.com. That's I A N B A L I N A.com. I, f- I feel like you have to trademark that before Tyler Perry makes a movie, Diary of the Main Man. <laughs> it's only a matter uh, of time. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Wait, well, this is just a podcast, by the way. This is a network. So if you ever, if you ever want to add podcaster to your resume, man, hit us up. You're always welcome. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I do have a podcast as well. Well, not really a, tr- a true podcast per se, just more of the audio of my of my content gets pushed on my podcast. But yeah, I'm uh, definitely open to that. And thanks for having me on, guys. I definitely appreciate it. Right on. Awesome. Have a good one. All right, you too. Take care. And that was the interview with Ian Bellina, uh, crypto T Pain, uh, laying the hot tracks on the internet. Like, uh, I'm in love with the Bitcoin. And uh, what was the other one, Cello? Uh, from Wu-Tang? No, T-Pain. Did we do two T-Pain songs? We did two T-Pain songs. Oh, man. I'm in I love know, with the I'm Bitcoin. Gonna... And then, uh, anyways. Ian I'll Bellina. release that to the public. Yeah. yeah. Ian Bellina <laughs> is a trader. Uh, he was working at, I believe, IBM, and you heard you heard his whole story. And and now he takes his profits from crypto and makes more profits from crypto. He looks at it like a he actually kind of he and I have a similar 
look on things, but he takes it very regimented where he looks at it like venture capital. He'll take a thousand and put it in ten different coins, so you got ten thousand, and whichever one becomes the front runner, he'll take the profits from that one and start diversifying a little more, or take the profits and put it into a different up and comer. That's all. I bet you he loves spreadsheets. That being said, let's move on to some different topics of interest. What do you guys got? What do you guys want to talk about? Super conference. Bam. That's where it is. <laughs> so, Richard, you um, are putting together the super conference. Um, we're going. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having us. Uh, but kind of like expand on that. Let's get that in the psyche for our listeners. They need to understand what this is about. Yeah, the whole goal is, um, you know, through me doing all the interviews on the Future Tech podcast, I, my brain has been filling up with so much information. I wanted to get it out of me. And, uh, you know, I want to contribute to the community. And I'm not a developer. And, you know, maybe sure I could go start a company. But uh, I thought a conference would be a cool idea. And, of course, having no experience in doing one, why not? You know, let's make it big. Let's get 800 plus people. So I jumped in and um, the goal has been evolving. But I want to uh, let people know what blockchain can do. You know, not just Bitcoin only, not just uh, smart contracts, but, you know, for medical data, for identity, for, uh, I mean, for, you know, for shipping, for everything you could think of. So that's the kind of speakers we've been attracting. People are going to talk about the different uses of, uh, of blockchains and Bitcoin and, and everything. So that's that's the way the conference is going. And um, one particular frustration of mine is that there's just not a lot of education for people that don't know much about it. And I, I mean, most of the world doesn't know much about it. So we're going to have a beginner's class. You know, what is a wallet? How do you use a wallet? How do you buy Bitcoin? How do you get into Ethereum? Like real basics for people that know nothing. And I think that's going to appeal to a lot of folks. And uh, I think most conferences don't seem to have that kind of thing. They they cater to enthusiasts, which is great. And we're catering to them too. But, you know, I want it to be welcoming for people, again, that are afraid, that, uh, you know, just want to learn about it and get into it from scratch. So that's another element that's included. I like I like the cut of your jib. Where you're like, it's, I've never done it, so why not do it? That's... That's, that's like the best motivation of all. I wanted to get involved, hadn't done it, so I'm going to do it. And I also like, are you? do you follow Marvel Comics at all? Uh, not really. I mean, I know Marvel, but I don't do follow who, it too much. Do you know who Bishop is? Bishop? Mm, no. Damn. Chell, you know where I'm going with this, right? Bro, I'm black, man. I know Bishop. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. Why do you always have to bring race into everything, man? If, if you're black and you don't know who Bishop is, then come on. Come Anyways, on. so Bishop is a mutant and like he soaks in energy and then has black to mutants. release it. And so when you were he's like, black I, I'm so, yes, he's a black mutant. He's a black mutant. Well, he, well, you're like, I'm soaking in all this knowledge and I just want to, you know, get it out to the community. It reminded me of that. Anyways, I'm a nerd. So if you guys. <laughs> If you guys are listening and you want to go to the super conference, so if somebody's listening, and they want to go to the super conference. What are the steps they take to start that process? Like, yeah, website. it's just real simple. So, if they're ready to jump in and buy a ticket, great. Go to bitcoinsuperconference.com. If they're not ready and they want to get on our notification list and 
you know, we send out emails and info all the time on just different stuff in crypto and keep you updated, then same site and click on notifications. So there's two paths for people, depending if they're ready or not yet. They want to look at it more. Do you make people feel a little bit down on themselves if they're not ready, if they're not fully committed? What? Like, what do you do? I'll say like again. Peer pressure? Like what, no, no, not peer pressure. We're, we're... Get in the game. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, some people just can't jump in right away. So I don't want them to be like, hey, either register or go away. And, uh, you know, we've been building a big list of people that are on the notification list. And some take, you know, a week, some take months. It just depends. But, uh, you know, I want to be able to communicate with people that are interested and just, you know, keep them on the list. And it's been working. You know, we've got like uh, about 5,000 people now on our notification list. And we see that people will register at various points when they're on the list. But in the meantime, you know, they may want to listen to an upcoming podcast. They may want to just get information about stuff and, uh, you know, take their time. And that's okay. That's why we have both paths. Nice. Well, what about the angle of, hey, why don't you be in the same room with people that are worth a lot of money? Because people <laughs> are, people like to sign up for things where they know successful people are. I mean, you got Tim Draper, who's, his net worth is a billion dollars. You got Eric Voorhees, he's worth $38 million. These people are... They have the financial proof that they make good decisions and they they use their time to go to places that are worth their time. So, I mean, would that be a good way to attract people to these type of things? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons you can come. Again, one is like you want to dip your toe in and learn. And, you know, I went to like BTC Miami last year and Consensus. And, you know, when I went to BTC Miami, I was like much more of a newbie than I am now. And I met, you know, local Bitcoin traders. I met, I mean, you know, a mining company, Genesis Mining was there. I met Charlie Schrem there in person. Um, I met the guys from Bitcoin.com. I mean, just it led to a lot of uh, more interest on my part and a lot of opportunity. I met a guy from Venezuela that was like smuggling equipment, mining equipment in to mine. I mean, it's a crazy all the people I met and it was just an awesome experience. So that's, that's what I the experience I want to recreate for people coming here. I want a big diversity so that they come and they're like, wow, you know, this part of the, the ecosystem I'm interested in. And look, I met someone that does that, you know. It's surprising how open people are in this space too, to like, just talk to you. Like, there, like there's like, you, you see names be thrown around when you try and read about people and see things and you know, there's so much like net worth. Some people are worth, and you see them at conferences, you think they're going to be so much snooty, but it's more often than not, if you just go up and talk to somebody you want to talk to, they'll open up, tell you how they did it, tell you how they feel, tell you what's going on, treat you like a normal person. And like you can't get that that feeling, that kind of camaraderie or like being a part of a community online as you can at going to these conferences. Like you really feel like you gain a lot by being around these people and getting to know them and and making those connections at these conferences more than anywhere else. That's that's been my experience going to these things. Definitely, yeah. And Corey's going to talk at it. Aren't you, Corey? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. You want me to be your hype man? Sure. I could get up on stage and talk in front of people. I got no qualms with that. Neither do I. I have some qualms Again, with that. Um, you guys being there, um, you're going you're gonna to be doing essentially podcasting from your, uh, from your booth space. So. Maybe a call to action for people that are coming. I mean, what kind of people are you guys looking for to to talk to an interview? 
that are going to be there. Everybody. Yeah. I want to talk to as many people as I can. I really like talking to Eric Voorhees. Voorhees is the man with the master plan. Um, it's just kind of crazy. When I hear him talk slash see the products that he builds, I'm like, God, Lee, this guy's, this guy, uh, he's got it going on Bossa Nova. So I want, want to talk to him. Just pick his brain on stuff. Um, yeah, and plus, like, I've never, I've never seen a lot of these people in the industry. I've just kind of interviewed them through the interwebs. So it's gonna be good to get them, get them in person. I know he's really the only person I want to talk to. I do also want to ask Tim Draper how happy he is that he won those auctions, and that's the only question. And then I'll move it along. But I want to ask Shrem. Like, why do you like to tweet during interviews? Can you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> hey, it was still it was still a pretty good show, even though you could tell like he was doing other things while we were interviewing him. Well, it but... was long. We did go long. We're like, how long is this thing? That's true. Yeah. Speaking We're... of long. Yeah, so speaking of long, I went to Six Flags uh, over Texas the other day, and they got a brand new roller coaster. Not where I was going with that. That's not where you were going? Not where I was going with that. Oh, I know exactly where you were going. They added an extra foot to Fruit by the Foot. Oh. Let's talk about Bishop some more. (laughs) Let's talk about Bishop some more. Anyways, you guys can tell we're kind of winding this down. So um, now it's plug time. And I don't mean plug like in trap music. I mean, we're going to plug our things in what we do. What is plug and trap music? I don't know what that is. You don't know what the plug is, Corey? Man, you've been I told you he loves trap music. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you like mumble rap. I guess you also like trap, trap music. Trap music isn't mumble rap. Those are two different things. I know they are. But yeah, but terrible. I don't know what. I, don't, I didn't get that reference either. So The plug is the drug dealer or this person that can get you the hookup in a certain area. Like if you could say... For instance, for a lot of people, we're the plug for good crypto information and entertainment. That's not trap music related. That's just general nomenclature. Oh, so now you know what plug means. So now you're going to. Well, I thought it was specific to trap music. It is. You hear it in trap music a lot. You hear you should hear it everywhere, but it's not like you're not going to hear it in a corporate business meeting. Like, Hey, who's our plug over at such and such industry. It's not going to happen. It may happen, but I know Corey used my favorite word in the English language. So this is a win. What did I that? Use? Nomenclature. I love that word. Oh, <laughs> it's a strange I, thing. I do like to that word. Favorite. Well, word. no, you know how, you know how James Lipton asked you what your favorite word is or he used to. That'll oh, the actor answer. studio. Yeah. Nomenclature, really? Why? And do you say nomenclature or nomenclature? Nomenclature. I'm talking about cello. Yeah, like that. What? Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this. We're gonna wind this down. Um, so, Richard, why don't you go first? In fact, actually, wait. We're gonna let you go last, so it's on everyone's psyche. Get the plugs. We're gonna do our stuff. Everyone's heard it before. On Twitter at the BTC Podcast. Cello runs the Twitter. Tweet at him. He'll tweet back. Uh, medium.com. There's some posts on there. Corey and I keep saying we're going to release these blogs, but we don't finish them. I can actually see your unfinished ones in the drive. I got a Corey. lot. Got a lot of unfinished ones. <laughs> you got like 10 unfinished blogs. 
There's such and good then, ideas too. Yeah, we should probably <laughs> just finish those ideas and put them out into the public. Perfectionist um, type stuff. Uh, let's see. What, what else do we do? Uh, you can find us on all of the podcasting apps. Um, when we're not cursing so much, uh, you can you can uh, give a shout out to Wayne in our Slack. He'd love it. And then you can also share that episode with your grandmothers. And bring it all the way down the generational tree from grandmother to uh, everyone. Just share it. Um, all right, I think that's all we got. Right, that's all we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say, Richard, after you plug, you need to shout out uh, your your favorite female celebrity. It's a rule. It's a rule around here. He's so confused right now. But anyways, Steven, go ahead. Plug, plug, plug away. Who the fuck is Steven? Sorry, I don't know why I said Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Because you said Steven Sprague earlier. It was stuck in my head. I apologize. Richard? Is he there? Uh Uh-oh, Richard fell off. He just took his... Headset off and walked away. I think he away. got really upset when I called him Steve. I'm so sorry, Richard. I doubt that. Nah, this thing's probably on mute, and he's probably like, yeah, I'll like to tell you about superconference.com. Well, he already just talked about it, really. So maybe he just it's proven a point that we're being redundant. Anyways, okay. Richard, uh, absolutely not Steven. You can find a show, the Future Tech Podcast. Go to iTunes, search Future Tech Podcast. Google Future Tech Podcast. A very regular podcast um, was about. Yeah, he interviews. Tech. He interviews more people in a week than we do in like three months. Yeah, you're grinding, and we appreciate that grind because we share that. That's our on the Venn diagram. That's where your show and our show meets. The grind. Grinding. Um. Let's see. Well, um, if there's nothing else to add, I would like to give a shout out to Zoe Saldana. And a shout out to the chick that plays Supergirl because she's coming up in the world. Cello, you guys aren't going to. I left the floor open for you guys. So I need no shout outs. Mm. Showing so much respect. Man, you got happy. Shout out to. um, Shout out to Cancun. We're about to invade you. Okay, that works. Um, play the outro.